If you don't know, if you're a guest, this is your first time here, we are doing a sermon series on the book of Acts this spring semester. And it has been awesome so far. Two weeks ago, we heard from Jason Bell on the ascension of Jesus after his death, burial, and resurrection, and how he was able to bring all of us into a closer relationship with him. And then we learned that we're actually continuing the book of Acts to this day, that we're actually continuing Acts 29 all the way to now, performing the same things that the early church did. Then last week, we heard from Sam Pitt on Acts chapter 2 on Pentecost and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we see this, that something changed in Peter, that instead of being this coward who's chopping off a dude's ear, he's the one who preached the gospel and thousands were saved. There seemed to be a new power behind his words, a new boldness, a transformation had taken place in Peter and in the believers. Then on Tuesday, on Instagram, my friend Jacob Hartzadiki <laughs> helped fill in the gap for us. This guy. He spoke on Acts 2, verses 42 through 47, about how the early church loved one another, how they lived life together. This was a community of believers who loved and honored and served one another. Thank you, God, for a community of believers like that. May Chi Alpha Sam Houston be the same way. While we're doing this sermon series, please, please, please be reading the book of Acts with us. Read it. Study it. Think about it. Dwell on it. If we believe we're continuing the book of the Acts of the Apostles, then it would be good for all of us here to know what is actually written there. Cool? If you want a free resource, there's a free tip. On YouTube, there's a page called Bible Project, and... It is a, an incredible resource. It's been helpful to me. They draw out the books of the Bible for you, and they just give you a visual aid to help you to understand what's going on. It's awesome. Bible Project on YouTube. Check it out. For free. You just got to watch maybe an ad or two here and there, unless you have YouTube Premium, which no one does apparently. You would. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. Hey. This, this book of the Acts of the Apostles, this is the history of the church of God, a community of believers who are striving to honor Christ's great commission and to be true and faithful to him and to one another. If you go through and you read this book, you can see it's full of transformations. People who have encountered Jesus in person or through the believers and with the Holy Spirit have come away radically different, changed made new. And praise God that that's still true today, that we can be made a new creation in Jesus. Tonight, I have the privilege to take us further in our study of Acts and to go over chapters three and four. Two chapters, I know. But before I go any further, let me pray that God would be with us and that we would hear from him tonight. Lord Jesus, I thank you for my brothers and sisters in this room. Lord God, I ask that you would come. You would fill me with your spirit, Lord, that God, my words would be they would be your words, Lord Jesus. I thank you, God, for every man and every woman in this room. And God, I ask that you would speak to them. God, I ask that they would hear from you and know that, Lord, you love them, you value them, you care for them. And Lord, no matter who they are and where they've been, you have a plan and a purpose for them to transform them, to turn them into a new creation in you. We love you, Jesus. Amen.
Amen. So, hey, we're going to read a little bit of Scripture tonight. This is Acts 3, verses 1 through 10. Let me start there. And it says this, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they lay daily at the gate of the temple. That is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms or donations of those entering the temple. And seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive, receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, and he raised him up. Immediately, his feet and ankles were made strong, and leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. So here we have Peter and John going together in the to the temple to pray in the early afternoon. Now, if you know anything about these two men, that from their time with Jesus, there had been a sort of competitiveness between them. But here they are now walking together as friends, as brothers, not even either of them with their blood brothers, but with one another. There was a kinship there. There was a closeness there from their time with Jesus and then what's happened at Pentecost. And then now, they're brothers. They're walking together to pray. I can't help but think of some of the more famous competitors or rivals from fiction who became friends and worked together. I actually have a slide showing a lot of them at the same time. And if, I mean, Naruto, someone from anime, you got Naruto and Sasuke, Goku and Vegeta, Captain America, Iron Man. I, of course I had to have Katie Heron and Regina George. My wife said I had to. And then, of course, Legolas and Gimli. They're the best. But then, of course, there's still one even better. It's not fiction, but let me show the next slide. We have our very own Nathan Dotson and Jordan Rodonez. That's actually them. Just kidding. Landon Nelson made that work of art to him. I had to pay him quite a bit. Huh? That's a good picture. It's a good one. But if you know anything about the characters I showed and them as well, they were rivals, they were competitors, but they became friends, they became brothers, they lived life together. And Peter and John, which I actually have another slide showing them as well, that's them. Just kidding, that's them from The Chosen. Man, it's not actually them. I'm sorry, I couldn't get a picture from 2,000 years ago, but we got this. But you see, Peter and John, are, they're brothers in Christ now. And they're actively working together to fulfill Christ's great commission and to spread the good news. And they're walking together and they see this beggar sitting at the gate of the temple, lame from birth. And the Bible later says he was over 40 years old. He asked them for alms, a donation for money, but he got something even better. Peter said, I had no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And what happened? This man got up and he walked. He walked. He leaped. He praised God. He couldn't help but dance in celebration. This man had been healed. A miracle took place. It happened. 
He'd been asking for money, but Peter, with the power of the Holy Spirit, was able to give this man something he needed way more than money. He gave him the strength and the ability to walk. And this man encountered God that day. And if you know anything, if you read further, this man was unable to let go of Peter and John. In verse 11 of Acts 3, it says this, While he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them into a portico called Solomon's. This man clung to Peter and John. Have any of you in this room ever felt like you were close to drowning? Sorry for the trigger warning if that brings up any trauma, but have any of you ever felt like that? I don't know. I remember being about five years old. My older brother and I had gone to my, my grandma's house, and she had a pool. My cousin was there. My uncle was there. Was supposed to watch us. I think he took a nap. But I was a little five-year-old kid. I had floaties on my arms, nothing on my chest. I just had my floaties on. And I don't know. We were swimming. We were playing, having fun. And I saw my cousin Melanie able to jump in the water and swim, and she didn't have anything, any floaties on or anything like that. And I was like, that looks cool. I want to be able to swim like that. Well, then it was time for lunch, and I got out of the pool, and my cousin took my, my floaties off, and I was like, I'm, I'm going to be like Melanie. And I ran, and I jumped as far as I could into the deepest part of the pool, and immediately I sank to the very bottom. <laughs> Thankfully, my cousin knew what to do. She jumped in, and she pulled me out. And let me tell you, I was in some trouble after that. I definitely learned never to do that again. And I can promise you today, I do know how to swim. Not very well, but I can swim. I don't need floaties anymore. But even after that happened, even after we'd been out of the pool for a while, I clung to my cousin's arms. I wasn't going to let go. Does that make sense? I was scared of the water for a little bit, and I didn't want to get back in. And I wasn't going anywhere because she got me. This beggar, this man that had been healed, he clung to Peter and John. He had just been healed, and he didn't want to go. He didn't want to let go. He was restored. He was made new. He was healed. Something new had happened in his life. And he got something he wasn't even asking for. Isn't that often what the world is like? Asking for all sorts of things, but not for the one thing they actually need. Now this man, he didn't want to leave that moment. I don't think I would either. And clearly the crowd of people who witnessed this miracle didn't want to leave either. They were astounded. The crowd was utterly amazed. A man who was lame from birth for 40 years, who had sat there for years and years, was now up and walking and giving all the praise to God. And to this crowd, it seemed like the two followers of Jesus had seemingly performed this miracle. But this sets the stage for what's to come next. Because Peter, filled with boldness, just as he was at Pentecost, got up and he preached. And Pentecost wasn't a once and done thing for him. Let me read this. This is verse 12 of Acts chapter 3. It says this, and when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. We see that Peter has become a bold preacher. 
a leader in the church, someone who's going to take charge and do what he needs to do. Calling out those who put the very author of life, Jesus, the Messiah that these people have been begging for, they put him to death. And Peter spoke with an authority that was simply not from himself. He knew his Lord. He spoke on behalf of him. But keep in mind, this is Peter. This is the same man who said he would die for Jesus, but then denied him three times instead. I'm sure that must have been on his mind when he was speaking. He said this twice. He said, Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate. And then he says it again. You denied the holy and righteous one. I'm positive it was on his mind that when it was, it was on his mind of what he had done the night before Jesus died. What that shows me is that there's this deep understanding when he's calling them out. There's sort of a sense of humility when you know you're guilty of the same thing, when you've done something like that. The ultimate thing that it shows me is that he wasn't just calling them out just to call them out. It was that he wanted them to repent. In Acts 3, verse 19, Peter says this, Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out. And later in verse 26, God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Peter knew he had sinned. He knew better than anyone. But he had repented, and he'd been forgiven and restored by Jesus. And now he's this mighty man of God, calling out Israel for what they have done and declaring God's desire for them to repent and to get right with him. He's grown to be incredibly bold. This beautiful transformation had taken place in his heart. And now he's declaring that Jesus is the one who's healed this lame beggar. Everything Peter had gone through in the past was hard. But by him continually coming back to Jesus and repenting, Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he was being used by God in a mighty way. Alexander McLaren, one of my favorite authors, had this to say about Peter and the believers at at this time. says this, A dead Christ, lying in an unknown grave, could never have inspired his crushed followers with such courage, insight, and elastic confidence and gladness in the face of a frowning world. Let me read that again. A dead Christ, lying in an unknown grave, could never have inspired his crushed followers with such courage, insight, and elastic confidence and gladness in the face of a frowning world. Peter knew Jesus was alive and risen to be with the Father. And he also knew that the Holy Spirit had come upon him and had filled him and the other believers. There was a confidence there. God is with us. He's not dead. He's not in some grave. He's alive. And he is Lord of life and death. Now, Peter, he had something to give to that lame beggar and to the people listening. But only because he was submitted to God and allowed him to be Lord of his life. We also in this room may have something to offer people if we will be submitted to God. The one thing they actually need, the person of Jesus. Praise God, amen. To see what is possible when we enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, of course, you can't always please everyone. It's never going to happen. Wish we could, but it can't. Because even after all this is happening with Peter and the crowd, The temple leaders felt like they had to do something about it. There's a little bit of just stuff happening. Pentecost has happened. A lame beggar from 40 years ago is now healed and walking and praising God. People are hearing the gospel, and they've got to do something about it. And this is Acts chapter 4, verse 1. It says this, As they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, 
for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. Thank you, Jesus. But on the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Now going into verse 8, it's about to get good. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. God, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name given under heaven among men by which we must be saved. Amen. Jesus is the only name by which salvation can come. He is the one who saves us, who redeems us, restores us, makes us right again. Again, remember that this was Peter speaking. Peter transformed into a new man, a new man made in the image of God. And let me tell you this, God is at work in all of us, making us more and more to the image of God, if we will allow him. There's this process that takes place after being saved. It's called sanctification. And it's the process by which God is making us more and more like himself. Let me tell you, when he sees you, he doesn't just see who you are now. He sees who you can become, who you are made in his image. He sees that man or woman of God in you. He sees it. I can only think of a master sculptor who has the ability to look at a solid block of marble and see something within it. It's not just a, a rock to him. It's a statue. It's a monument. It's, it's something beautiful that he can see. We are made in the image of God, and he's the master sculptor, and he's con- continually refining us, forming us, and shaping us to look more and more like him. Now, sometimes it can be a painful process. Sometimes it feels like you can take off a whole block of, of stuff in your life or Maybe it's just a little bit of this or that, but ultimately, it's for our own good. Peter needed to give his life to God and to be submitted to him, and he is not the same from before. It only happened because he was obedient to Jesus. We say this, that responsibility is the miracle grow for a follower of Jesus. Let me ask you this. Maybe God's asking something from you or for you. Maybe he's been speaking to you and you haven't been listening. But if you will be obedient to him, then others will benefit. Just like the lame beggar and the thousands who came to, to hear the gospel and follow Jesus. They needed Peter to walk with Jesus. And there's people out there who need you to walk with Jesus and to be submitted to him. Now, it might not, quite, it might not look the same for Peter. We might not go out on St. Houston's campus and find someone sitting there and say, hey, get up and walk. I could talk in the name of Jesus, and thousands get saved, and it's this powerful thing. But let me tell you, there might be people on this campus that they need to hear from you. 
There might be some young, younger brothers or younger sisters. They need to see you be faithful to Jesus. They need to see someone who walks with God. They might need some spiritual healing or even physical healing. In the name of Jesus, there might be some people in the room who need that tonight. But if we can be submitted to Jesus and we can be faithful to him, just like Peter was, let me tell you, you will make a difference. It's why we go on mission trips. It's why we have LTC. It's why we have small group. Preaching. That's why we preach here at Kaifa. We want to be obedient to God. We want to make disciples just as the early church did. Now again, there might be something in our lives that needs to be given to the Lord. Maybe God's asking something from you in order to see you grow more like him. I don't know. In John 15, verse 7 through 11, Jesus is speaking to Peter and to his other disciples. He says this, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. And if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Jesus said this to his disciples, and he's saying the same thing to us. We must abide with him. We must be close to him. Let me tell you, you become like the people you're close to. You see it over and over again. The people that, that you're surrounding yourself with, you will begin to look more and more like each other. It's pretty cool. It's why we must be close to Jesus. We must get along with him daily. We must. Look who Peter was and who he's now become. He has been transformed to be the man that God already saw in him. Tonight, you have the opportunity to be transformed as well. Maybe you identify with Peter and you have something from God that's meant to be shared with others. Or maybe you identify more with the beggar where you're asking for something from God, but he's actually going to give you the thing you actually need. Worship, you can head back up here. Now maybe you're here and you're aware of your own defects and faults, all the different things that where you fall short of. Maybe tonight you're here and you're not a Christian, but you'd like to give your life to Jesus. You can. Jesus, he loves you and he values you and he wants to be Lord of your life. Now, maybe you're a believer in Jesus, but you know you've been living in a way you shouldn't. You have to repent and ask for forgiveness. Tonight, you can. Maybe there's just another thing God's been asking you to do, and you need to be obedient, and you need to do it. Jesus is the one who transforms us, who turns us, makes us into a new creation. Tonight, while worship's playing, you have the opportunity to meet with God. Now, there isn't a ton of space up here at the front. But you can come up here, you can go to the sides, and you can find a spot to meet with God and to pray. And if you want to talk to someone, then find your small group leader or your company leader or just another small group leader in your group to talk to and to pray with. And I'll also be up here at the front, and you're more than welcome to come and talk with me. You can meet with God tonight. He loves you, and he has a purpose and a plan for you. He has something for you that's bigger than you know. And you being faithful to Jesus is going to mean other younger brothers and younger sisters will hear from him and will know him. It's not just about you. And I remember when I first came to walk with Jesus and become a Christian, I heard God say to me, Trevor, I love you and I'm going to be a father to you. And I knew 
I knew it. I knew I was special to him. And I came to Sam Houston, and I saw that I wasn't the only person that was special to God. There was a lot of other people that he loved and he treasured and he valued. And I'm so grateful that after 11 years of being here at Sam Houston as a student and now on staff with Chi Alpha, that I have gotten to, to love some people in my life, and I'm so grateful for it. And we're not done yet. But we love this campus. And we're praying for this campus, and we're trying to meet students and, and show them they don't have to keep asking for the thing that they don't really need. They can have Jesus. They can have a relationship with God. And they can have the good thing that, that we found, the, Jesus. Yeah, let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for my brothers and sisters in this room. Lord Jesus, I ask that God, tonight, you you would work. Your spirit would come into this room, God. You would meet with us tonight. God, we need to hear from you. We need to hear directly from you, some of us. Some of us need to lay something down. Some of us need to forgive someone. Some of us need to, we need to get rid of some stuff. I don't know what it is, but Lord Jesus, I ask that right now, Holy Spirit, you would come and you would begin to speak to some of, some of us here. We love you, Lord God. We love you, Jesus. Amen.